This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by rock sponsor Subsplash. Subsplash is a technology company that provides software solutions for churches and nonprofit organizations. Connect with Subsplash today at rockrms.com slash sponsors. Welcome to the Rockcast podcast, where we talk to you a little bit about what's going on with Spark Development Network, what we're doing in Rock with the community and the product, and we have a lot of fun. I'm Emily Foreman. We have John Edmiston and Nick Erdo, and this podcast is going to be published just before RX 2019. So we are all extra excited around here because there are big things happening, and we absolutely cannot wait for that annual get together with the community. Yeah. That said, I wish it was a few more days out. Always want a few more days in the preparations. There would never be enough days. Sometimes right. you just got to go. It's like yes. parenting. You're never ready for it. That's true. It just happens. Yep. Or like when you have a new 16-year-old driver and they never really know, is it time to turn left now <laughs> in the oncoming traffic? <laughs> yeah. And I have, I have some tips for turning right on a, on a stoplight. I've been really? teaching my two boys, so... Yeah. Well, you enlighten us. Okay, so this I shouldn't give away all my secrets, but my son comes up to the to the to the red light. And he wants he knows he needs to turn right. He's like, "Well, do I have to stop, Dad?" I'm like, "Well, of course, yeah, it's red. You have to stop." So we go a few miles down the road, and he's about to do it again. And so I thought, "Well, this will be fun." I said, "Okay, now this time you don't you don't need to stop." I was just trying to check to see if he <laughs> learned what he was supposed to learn, and he didn't learn it. So and I, now for. I had been looking around, everything was clear, nothing was going to happen. But then when we get up real close, I go, you have to stop, like really loud. <laughs> Freaked him out. <laughs> and the whole rest of, the, of, the, of the, the drive, he's like, I can't believe you did that to me. I can't, I'm like, will you ever forget that you have to stop when you, at a red light when you want to turn <laughs> right? He's like, I will never forget that. And I'm like, lesson learned. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And that, that was about a year ago, and he's still, I still bring it up. He's like, I know, I know. Stress-induced learning. I feel like there are a couple of peripheral lessons. One, I think I'm glad I'm not your kid. Well, I'm a master at drive, and, teaching to drive. Oh, well, oh, yes. Yeah. And two, don't trust John. <laughs> but that lesson is cemented into his head. I think you're right. Wow, that's, that's harsh. Is it? <laughs> I've just, I probably saved his life three times. We just don't even know. Wow. So a little tidbit for you all about John and his driving instructing. Uh, do you have a website up? Can anyone send their thinking, students your way? I feel like I this is an extended ad. I mean, I do have a whole, like, I put them through the paces. I'm on my second one now, so it's I'm really getting good at it. And they're both still alive. They are. That's yeah. a testimony right there. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. Very good drivers. Okay. So let us know when you get that website up or the or book, book out. Or book, the, yeah. I'm old school. I don't believe in this new technology thing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> cut, cut. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, Nick, let's talk about rock. <laughs> Absolutely. Can I? I'm going like, to be like some other church management systems that don't run their event registration on their own product, and I'll have to put this website up on like WordPress or something. Oh, no. <laughs> well, if you had rock, you could, and you were part of the early access program, Ooh. you could now get version 9.2. 
Tell us more about that. Well, version 9.2 is a, is a simple uh, patch, really. It was just a handful of fixes that were um, uh, needed to really get Rock 9 pretty stable. I, I, there really aren't many other things out there. So again, we're hoping there's not going to be a 9.3. Um, and so we're full steam ahead on the future of Rock. Yeah, and I think in the 9 series, it's gone very, very smoothly. Um, usually we're getting nine ones and twos and threes and fours before we actually get even to the uh, final release. So nine's been super smooth. I think a good testament to our alpha testing and beta testing mm-hmm. team on that. Yeah, and uh, you know we put them through the ringer because we did this pretty quickly. Went from nine one a uh, nine zero to nine one nine two. So you guys out there should have a little bit of a break because at least we won't be releasing nine anything during. The conference. During conference yeah. week, right. Yeah, you know we'll difficult. be busy. There will be a couple other things going on. Hey, that's a good segue. Let's talk about our conference. I'm so excited about it. So at the time of this posting, we'll be, uh, I guess, next business day, we'll, we'll see you at the conference. Um, and there is so much going on. So you know, we spend a year in between every conference. And I think we actually had 13 months since yes, the last this one time, this yes. time around. And we spend so much time working on the strategy and the the storyline of the conference uh, and all the small details. I mean, just this week, some of the details that we've been going over regarding table sizes and locations and um, food lines and, you know, just all the the very small details. You have to know that we we care a lot about those details and we are so excited about this experience. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we literally start planning the day after the, the conference. And in, in this case, we've been planning 2020 for actually a few months, like four or five months. We have. And so we have some special announcements that we'll be giving out at the conference. We do. So you'll want to be tuned for that. And there's a lot of announcements at the conference. I think this conference has the most announcements jam-packed than any other conference we've ever had. And so that's exciting. Um, and a lot of preparation to get all of those lined up and get everything ready. But it's it's definitely going to be a, a great event, and it's the highlight of the community. Um, and I can't wait. I mean, I'm looking at some of the tracks of the best practices tracks. I am really psyched. I, I know I can't be in all of them. That's that content subscription. I'm going to be watching all of that. But there's some so many great um, presentations that are coming through. We have access to look at those beforehand because we like to publish them right after the conference. So... I mean, there's some good stuff in there. Oh, there's incredible stuff. And I've seen a little bit of activity in the chat um, channels from people who are saying, I don't know what to pick. I'm looking at this particular time slot, and I don't know what I want to go to. And we feel exactly the same way. Right. So um, from the the core team perspective, I mean, most of us are there with some jobs to do and some things to get done. Uh, but we look at all the tracks lined up at the same time, too, and think, oh, God, I, I don't know which one I would go to if I could. Yeah. And that's... The reason to bring lots of people from your team. Exactly. So, by this time that you've gotten this podcast, hopefully you've gotten some messaging from us with some of the prep stuff. You know, you want to get your takeaway system kind of configured. We have some announcements even before that. We we will have an app uh, for you to help with your conference experience, so that you can kind of pick your tracks and pick the sessions that you want to go to. So, that's something we've wanted to do for quite a, a long time. Is to kind of give you something mobile that you can use that for so that you, sh- you should have a link to that. Um, all kinds of great stuff at this conference. And um, already looking forward to 2020, though. I mean, it's it, 
we're going to raise the bar on 2019 again in 2020. And so we're really excited by that. Yes. And let me pre um, promote our survey that we'll do at the end of this conference, just as always. Um, the things that we're putting into play this year are driven entirely by that survey and by the experience we all had on site last year at Southeast during RX 2018. And RX 2020, we've made a lot of headway on, but there is still room for a lot of really cool new things to do. So we will be reading those surveys that come in. And um, I promise you, we will give attention to every survey that's filled out. Uh, so go into it looking and thinking with a critical eye toward how could this be improved because that's the way that we approach this event and we will be taking each response and and giving it a measured, uh, weighted consideration about how that could be combined with everything else that we're doing to make a great event a year from now. So we're looking forward to seeing you there. If you can't join us this year, we will definitely miss you. Stay tuned to all of our communication channels. Uh, because that's the way that you'll be able to keep up with the announcements that are coming out and do look for uh, the ability to subscribe to our content. As always, we intend to do that and and hope that that works out um, and you just won't want to miss that. We also are looking at the next series of events and training programs for the community and we'll be publishing a list of upcoming masterclasses soon. Uh, so that should be something to look for. If you've been already, and I know a lot of our audience probably has, don't forget that the new people who come on your staff or maybe the um, ministry admins in another area of your organization could benefit from having some really um, tight training from the people that build and use Rock on a daily basis. And this could be a huge benefit to your whole organization. So do check that schedule out. Share it with the people that you connect with in the community who might be new and share it on your team as well. Um, we talk about all tides rising together, and the masterclass is one of those things that's really doing a great job moving that up through the community. Yeah, definitely. It's a great opportunity to get your skills sharpened. It really is. And it's interesting when people come in, they say a lot of times, um, oh, I'm so nervous. I don't. I know I don't know very much. And by the end of it, a lot of times people say, well, I knew a little more than I thought I did. Um, but now I've been able to expand my skill set in other areas too, which we think is pretty great. And we're big fans about talking about what is your skill set, what does your growth path look like, and it's very individualized. And for some people, masterclass is the next right step. Yep. And as we look at tool sets, we talk about it internally here too. And John, you'd come up with some really interesting analogies about um, understanding what your best experience and skill sets are, but also what other ones are available out there and how technology plays in with that. Yeah, so as we use Rock and as we help others use Rock, we see, you know, we get to see a lot of, ex of um, interesting things and have experiences that um, are a little bit maybe wider than maybe within one organization. And I think one of the important things is when you have a tool set is you, you have to understand where your boundaries lie with your skill set and your tool set. And what you want to do is you want to be a little bit careful about the areas on the fringe. So for example, if you're an electrician, you know that you have a certain tool set. And if you start to do plumbing with that tool set, you might have limited success. Um, <laughs> you might be electrocuted. <laughs> right. Or maybe the other person, <laughs> which I'm not sure which would be worse. Uh, but anyway, so if you're really good with workflows, you know, maybe in a, in a war analogy, you might be a rifleman. And and that's great. You need that. That is a very powerful tool set. 
But you also need to know, like, when is it time to call in the artillery, like the big guns? And so taking and expounding on that analogy, so the rifleman does have something called a mortar. It's like a little portable, little teeny cannon that they, they can fire short distances. And that's good. That, that's, that's a great tool for them to have. But if they were to keep using that mortar all the time, it might, somebody might need to click off in their head, like, you know what, it might be better if I call in the artillery because um, I'm at the fringe of my tool set. Now, does that mean that the artilleryman is more important than the rifleman? No. I mean, if you only had artillerymen, you would easily lose your war. I mean, everybody just run and, and attack the artillery, and then those guys would be gone. Um, and if you're an artilleryman, like, so maybe in this case, the, the artilleryman is maybe a, a C-sharp developer. Um, if you're an artilleryman, and that's all you know, and you start, um, and you don't know workflows, and you just start writing code that a workflow could do, I mean, that, that is really dumb. Like, again, you're on the fringe of your tool set. Um, and so they shouldn't be down in the trenches shooting because that's not their skill set. Um, but is the rifleman more important than the artilleryman? No, you, you need to have a balance. And I think the key is knowing when are you on the fringe of your tool set. So for an example, in my mind, every time I have to use a SQL command inside of a workflow, I'm like, I might have to do that. I'm not saying don't mm. do that, but I know I'm on the fringe of my tool set. And if I have to keep doing that, it really speaks to needing a new workflow action. So there's a couple of things you could do. You, you may not be a C-sharp developer, but what you need to do is like turn that in as an idea. Like, hey, we really need a new action that does this. Or it might be the time that you might want to call in the artillery. You might want to you know, find a partner or find someone else in the community who has C-sharp knowledge to help you with that. Um, I think the worst thing you could do is just keep trucking and 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 do unholy things with you know some <laughs> of these fringe tool sets. And the SQL one is just an example. Um, you know, a lot of the other tool sets um, have these fringe areas where it's just not going to perform well. It's it's breakable. It's it's going to break on updates. Um, and it's just not it's not using the tool for what it was designed for. Um, and so I would just encourage people just understand your tool set, know when you're on the fringe, and don't be afraid to call you know cross discipline type resources in. Um, in the long run, you're going to be uh, a lot happier. Well, I know our team is strengthened by having a variety of skill sets. As long as everyone's under the same leadership and the same vision and working together, it's much better to have a diverse set of skills working on any given project um, if it's a large and complex one. Right. And I, and I think the tendency is that we grade these tool sets and we grade these experiences hmm. and we say that this tool set, knowing this is, is, is harder or better than knowing that. And I, that's not the case. Like, again, the artillerymen would just be wiped out in five minutes if we didn't have riflemen. And they're all needed. They're all of equal value. That's interesting because that kind of, to me, ties back to the considerations of a growth mindset too. So if you have a particular tool set and you have a fixed mindset about it, you might be internally having some conversations with yourself that say, oh, I can only do this and kind of downplaying what you know how to do. And I'll never get to that, um, which one is probably not true. You're putting false limits on yourself. And two, it's like you said, grading which skill sets may or may not be um, like a better grade, which really whatever we're familiar with seems easier to us, right? Than right. what someone else does. And you hear that all the time that I can't be a C sharp person, right? And it's like no, no, no. You anybody can do that. Now you may not be called to do that. You may not have the desire to do that, and that's perfectly fine. I, I mean, that's not the pinnacle. That's just a thing. Um, but don't don't say you can't. Um, that's not true, right? 
And we're not saying that you should all run out and become C-sharp developers. No. Not, not at all. I mean, that just don't put that on a pedestal. Right. But don't talk yourself out that you couldn't put yourself on that pedestal if that's what you wanted to do. And also don't feel threatened. If it's time to call in a C-sharp developer and you're not one, don't feel threatened by that action or by that skill set on your team. Like, Just realize what a great, what a well-rounded, what a highly strong team that develops. And that's the benefit of this rock community. So many skill sets, so many perspectives and experiences, and really working together is the thing that makes it the best. So don't feel threatened by working with someone or feeling like you need to work with someone that has a different skill set than you do, realize that's the experience of the body of Christ, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's the analogy is right there in, in the Bible. Yeah. So I really liked that whole analogy that you've been working on about tool sets and skill sets and maybe comparing that to positions uh, in the Army. Right. John, you've been reading some good books lately. I have, yeah, I like to read. Yes. I've been reading different things lately. Usually I only re- read business books, leadership books, nonfiction books. But for some reason, oh, I, I know it was started. It was vacation. Um, I wanted to read some books about um, the history of the places that we were going. So I picked up, uh, it's historical fiction, but it's very, it's trying to be as accurate as possible. And it's about the life and times of, of Cicero. And it's a three book series. So it was I just finished the third book, and it was very fascinating and and very inspiring too. I think because Cicero started as he he didn't have the nobility um, background, the the ancestry that he would need to do a lot of things, but he didn't let that stop him. He's also known as like the greatest orator that ever have lived, but he had a stutter, especially early on in life. And he had to overcome that through like practice and through training with, with some of the world's best orders of the time. But he had to work through that. And then he built himself up and, and got into Rome. He got on to be a senator, but he had to you know, jump over a lot of hurdles to get uh, to that level. And uh, just how he addressed some of the biggest challenges in history are just amazing. And I think the one thing I learned too, and I, I kind of always like thought this way, but he did it in spades is that when presented between a problem between A and B, which way should we go? He never took A and B. He always came up with like C, D, E, F, G. And hmm. I think we put these artificial boundaries that, okay, well, here's the problem. It's A or B. And it's like, why would we do that? There's so many, there's an infinite number of ways that we could address this. And he was very, very clever at when presented with A and B, he never went with A and B. And um, he wasn't a perfect person, but he lived in very trying times. This was the time when Julius Caesar was kind of coming about and very, very difficult um, things to navigate politically. Um, also, being the greatest orator, you'd think like, well, top of his game, he pretty much literally threw up in a bucket before every speech because he was so nervous. Wow. And, um, of course, most people didn't know that, you know, they just, they saw him as the greatest ever. And, um, so I think for those of you maybe coming up presenting in the next few days at, at, a at a RX, it's natural to be nervous. Um, but it's what you do with that afterwards. I think that that matters. And, and maybe I take some comfort in knowing that the greatest orator in the world, even late in his career was throwing up in a bucket. I mean, I'm not throwing up in a bucket. Uh, I'm not necessarily running onto that stage, but I'm, at least I'm not throwing up in a bucket. Um, <laughs> so there's that. 
Um, <laughs> but it's just remarkable. It's like reading the life and times of of someone like that, and and man, it's the things that they had to deal with back then that you know we're we're so lucky not to have to worry about. Uh, it's pretty crazy. I can definitely relate to the nerves before getting on stage. I don't think I've ever thrown up in a bucket. So you're you're already two steps ahead of Cicero. That's great. Who was the best? Who was the best? Well, I'm not two steps ahead of him there, but um, I'm glad to know that that is a universal human experience of nerves before you step on stage. Yeah. So it was very interesting. Hmm. I, I read a couple other books on that Roman time frame. It's just so fascinating. The the man, how political it was. I mean, we think we have bad politics now. Holy cow. At least they weren't knifing each other like constantly. <laughs> Literally. Or, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of wow. crazy. And what? who's your friend today is like your mortal enemy like in within six months over nothing. Just Sounds because. like middle school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a lot like middle school, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. Someplace I've never wanted to go back. Well, that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Have you found that the more you've learned in that topic, the more you're interested in in knowing more? Like, how does that yeah, I mean, I'm definitely that's an interesting time frame. So I am I'm actually reading now a, a complete history book of the of the history of Rome, and uh, I think what's interesting though is like you never know quite know like what is really true and what is you know kind of not the same either made up at the time or made up now. Like there's so many different opinions on things that happened back then that it's like I kind of like wonder sometimes in general. Like, these scientists or these anthropologists, but all scientists in general, I feel like scientists are like sometimes the biggest fiction creators ever. <laughs> and you know that because they can't agree and they're just completely locked into their opinions with no facts. Yeah. And you're kind of like, okay, well, just I guess stick, that's what it takes to get published, right? Just stick to the facts. It would be much better if everyone just stuck to the facts. Right. The hard part is if you're dealing with history, it's sometimes hard to know what the facts really were. Yeah, a lot of inference. Right. Yeah. I read a whole book by the same author on which base it was about Pompeii. That's why I started reading it. But it really was a book about the aqueduct system that they made and how amazing it was and such a feat of engineering and so precise in, you know, the grades that it had to go down across hundreds or even thousands of miles. It could it had to go on a certain grade too much and the water went too fast, too slow, and it kind of, you know, got stuck. And that the precision that they had was just amazing. At the same time, their number system was Roman numerals. Like, try doing math with Roman numerals. Like, <laughs> right. That's the thing I still don't get. Like, how did they do that? But I don't know. I guess that was the not a foreign language to them. Right. I think it's easy to look backwards and think, oh, how primitive people were. But no, they were in many ways smarter than we are. And dealing with the same kind of social constraints and issues, it seems like different setting, but people are people, right? right. It's kind of interesting. Well, I, a lot of people, uh, entrepreneurs recommend, you know, a certain set of books, and the one that uh, it's very consistent with them is Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. So I'm like, okay, well, if everybody's recommending, I got to read it. So I started reading it. If someone had ripped the cover off, I would swear that that book was written like last week. Hmm. It is so timely, and then even when it comes to, he talks about technology. And our, you know, um, over usage of technology, our over reliance on technology, and I'm like going this literally. <laughs> and he had some moral thoughts and some spiritual thoughts, and I'm like, this guy has to be a Christian. He has to be a Christian. I mean, he was an emperor a little bit further on, so he had the opportunity to be, but turns out he actually wasn't. He was very against Christianity. Um, 
but the book is just amazing. So if you if you're looking for a good book, it is a simple read. It's not like complex. So I'm not one for like really hard to read things. Well, there's our book review for you. Yeah. A few. Thanks for tuning in again for another podcast. We are so looking forward to seeing you in a very short time frame. episode of Rockcast is brought to you by Rock sponsor IT OneSource. Any IT products and services solutions can be acquired through IT OneSource. Connect with them today at rockrms.com/sponsors. <laughs>